what a wet year does is is it highlights the issues that have maybe been stored up that we were getting away with or soil damage or soil health issues that were you know hovering in the background maybe and and, and those become highlighted in a wet year so it, it does certainly um offer a bit of clarity in terms of what the the issues are that we need to be addressing it has been a long autumn so far and traditionally the wettest period is still ahead of us there are a number of fields not planted due to waterlogged areas and others which have been planted but are very patchy due to surface or subsurface water. For any field to achieve the highest yields, it's the average yield across the sown area in the field which must be counted. Ensuring all of the field has a good crop starts with ensuring the field does not become waterlogged. You are listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. As depressing as it is looking out on wet ground, perhaps this could be seen as an opportunity to identify and plan how to achieve better drainage in the wetter fields. Drainage can be tricky to get right, but it's often the simple things which can make a big difference. In the first of two episodes, I'm delighted to be joined by Pat Tui, a researcher in Chagas dealing with soil hydrology and drainage, to chat about all things drainage. Pat, before we get into chatting about drainage per se, we might just talk a little bit about compaction. Is there anything growers can do at the moment as regards compaction in their fields? Look, it has been a very difficult year and conditions haven't suited. I suppose the timings have been, um, the timing of the rainfall as it came have, I suppose, resulted in a lot of compaction issues, as you say, with heavy machinery and so on. Um, But I suppose the, the, the bottom line with compaction, you know, that the horse is bolted to a degree when the compaction is being done. Uh, if it can be avoided, I suppose prevention is going to be very than cure um, in terms of assessing it or resolving it. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait till we get you know dry soil conditions again and try and incorporate some of that cracking or some of that um, improvements in soil structure uh, in time. I suppose what a, what a wet year does. Is, is it highlights the issues that have maybe been stored up that we were getting away with or soil damage or soil health issues that were, you know, hovering in the background maybe and, and, and those become highlighted in a wet year. So it, it does certainly um, offer a bit of clarity in terms of what the the issues are that we need to be addressing. Yeah, I, I suppose you can see that in a lot of the perhaps maybe more so maybe in some of the non-plough based systems where you have headlands that are are, 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 are just not looking happy i suppose at the moment and there might be very little in in a lot of those headlands so so it's maybe something to for, for people to keep an eye on but i suppose maybe the the other issue um along the way is there there's um certainly lots of ponding out there in various different parts of of fields where they might have shown up for a day or two other years but certainly this year they've they, they, they've come in much earlier and have stayed around a bit longer we might just maybe touch upon maybe first before we go in terms of trying to solve the problem in the middle of the field Maybe farmers should be looking at the outside of the fields as regards the maintenance of some of the drain outlets. How how long or how often, I suppose, maybe should farmers be looking at this? I'd always be, um, I suppose, keen, Michael, on a, on a little and often approach, which is kind of the opposite of what, what tends to happen. And, you know, as a rule of thumb, I would say every second year there should be, you know, a level of maintenance being done. So that's keeping an eye on open drains, keeping an eye on field drain outlets um and the two the two words i would always think of would be mapping and marking of field drain so mapping so that there's a there's a if there's a field map somewhere that we have an indication on that map where drains are look there's generally going to be a couple of generations of of different drainage work done so 
we're not necessarily going to know, you know, what went in where, but if, if that was recorded on a map, that would be very useful down the line in terms of maintenance. And then failing that, or I suppose as well as that, they should be marked to some degree in the field and outlets should be, you know, put in in such a state that they're, you know, relatively easy to find. Um, having that done, then it, it allows for, uh, you know, a maintenance regime to be done. If, if a drainage system has gone in, however old it may be, if we know where it is and we can keep an eye on it and keep it maintained, then obviously that's, you know, a, a, a very good way of managing it. Whereas if it's if it's gone in and kind of forgotten about, um, well, then, you know, it, there isn't a whole lot we can do. Just in terms of, of, of map, uh, mapping, obviously, is very straightforward on a map. But in terms of marking within a field, have you come across any clever ways that, that, that people have done it? I, and I, I'm just reminded of, I've seen a video there where somebody was doing a lot of it in the UK. And uh, I thought it was quite clever. He was going around with a bunch of daffodils and actually he was just planting daffodils at the just on top of the bank at the edge of it. I thought, yes, that doesn't remind you every year exactly where it is. I thought that was really yeah, clever. I haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen that one, Michael. Yeah, but again, something like that, something that would be there in the long term, something like, you know, a painted fence post or some marker, um, at, as you say, where the outlet is. Um, the outlets tend to be, you know, if they can be extended with, with a, a bit of a concrete pipe or a bit of... Um, stonework or, or a bit of masonry around the outlet that kind of separates it maybe from the bank that it's that it's there um, you know incorporated in it makes it a more um, a more robust outlet anyway and it makes it so it's it's less likely to be suffering from damage or suffering from maintenance issues and if there is maintenance issues it's it's clear and obvious where it is um, it's not something that gets overgrown too easily or gets buried too easily or, as I say, forgotten about. So so just to explore that a little bit then, Pat, just in terms of the the, the outlet part. So let's just say a farmer gets down and uh, sees in the outlet part that the um, finds the pipe, uh, maybe eventually with the with the dirt and shocks and everything else that might be around it. And there's uh, maybe a poor enough water flow coming out of that. Maybe the farmer thinks it should be an awful lot more what would you think is the next kind of process in that in terms of trying to figure out or or, or um, problem solve it, if you like? Yeah, so the, look, there's there's the less glamorous old fashioned way of, of, of you know, rotting those outlets, uh, you know, with a set of sewer rods or something as simple as that. There's more advanced ways of doing it. There is there is jetting systems there now, which are spools of, of pipe that are fed up into the drains and, then, you know, are in a different league in terms of the amount of, 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 of cleaning that they can do of a drain. Um, you know, so it's a matter of, of keeping an eye and, you know, like you say, Michael, over a number of years, maybe they aren't what they were or the, the farmer can say, you know, X drain or Y drain was a lot more, um, there was a lot more water flowing uh, at, a, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, and coming at that from from the starting point, say maybe there is something in that, or it's it started to slow down. Um, the issue then, I suppose, look just to be aware of the wider issues in terms of particularly with the larger systems or the the larger water courses. If there is um, a relationship there with the local fisheries officer, be they from the the county council or inland fisheries, it would be you know um, good to keep that relationship in intact in terms of contacting those when when there's issues around maintenance because you can end up losing a lot of sediment down the the water course or down into the wider catchment. Um, there's issues there around keeping those works till you know the kind of mid May till mid September is what's recommended in terms of not um, disturbing um, fisheries uh, and and particularly younger younger fish. Um, and doing, you know, as I say, the little and often. So one side of the open drain at a time, 
picking small uh, blockages here, there, every every second year, as opposed to coming in every ten or fifteen years and doing you know uh, a root and branch cleaning of the the, the whole thing, uh, which is is you know doesn't help from from the losses and the sediment losses point of view and certainly doesn't help from the the drainage over that 10 years if things aren't being looked after as i said more more routinely or more regularly you mentioned root and branch and which reminds me of of uh, i suppose a number of problems people have with outlets coming out in in uh, in drains where there are trees around in terms of roots getting up which you'd often hear farmers talking about roots getting up tens of meters up 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 along the pipe is there a best or recommended um, practice in terms of putting solid pipes from the side of the uh, of the outlet back into the field to try and minimize that? Yeah, so it's the same approach, really, Michael. So you you extend the the, the drain beyond the bank uh, and use a, a concrete pipe or a um, a sore pipe or a, a, an unperforated pipe um, and build, as I said, the 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 outlet up a bit in terms of, of keeping it separated from the, the bank to a degree. And then, as I said, keep coming back and keeping an eye on it. And if there is plants growing in and around or the vegetation growing in and around, those are kept in check as, as much as possible um, as, as part of the, the wider maintenance that, that we have been, that, that, that I've been mentioning. And you mentioned the, 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 the local fisheries or I don't know what our councils are involved in that. If you're, or is there a rule of thumb maybe in terms of, Going after um, you know rivers that might be causing a problem, their the water is just not getting away fast enough, or it's building back up and it's not allowing your drain to 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 to, to exit, or your drain is underneath the the water level. Is there a rule of thumb as regards the size of river that you need to be concerned about and consulting people over, or does it apply to every river if you like? Uh, it applies to everything, really, Michael. I suppose the, the there isn't a, a direct answer in terms of a particular size of a river, a particular size of a stream. It's more so, as I said, what the the species are in there, or if it's if it's a spawn, if there's fish spawning in in the vicinity or downstream. Um, it's a good idea, anyway, in terms of if there is works being done. You know, um, a simple sediment trap can can restrict the losses that are there. So it would be you know something like a, a bank of of stones or something that would slow the water or result in the water dropping the sediment before it leaves the uh, before it leaves the field or leaves the farm um as a as a precaution so it, it, it's those kind of things but again the, the the local fisheries officers will will give be able to give a good steer in terms of the timing of the operation and and some little um mitigations that might be put in place to try and limit any effect there might be downstream and i can hear i can hear farmers um wheels turning before even before we give any further kind of going oh, now I don't know about telling them at all at all now I mean as soon as I tell them are they just going to say stop and I might be able to go near these things at all or are you know the likes of the fisheries reasonable enough in terms of ensuring there is maintenance that it's a, it's a good thing rather than a bad thing or what way do they view this kind of thing yeah, no, I, I, I've I found them to be very approachable and I look as a general rule Tom it's good to to keep in contact with them and keep that relationship up. Um, so I wouldn't look, I wouldn't see that as being, being a wider issue. And it's, it's, you know, what I'm describing there, it's fairly simple precautions to be taking in terms of timing and or in terms of, of, of prevention of, of, of downstream issues. So again, they'll just be in, in, in that mindset to just give a few tips in terms of managing that. Okay. Okay. And uh, there are a number of farmers out there when we're talking about you know, the protection of areas, um, 
who have some of these SACs or special areas of conservation on their farm coming down towards large rivers. Is there a, a process or a um, things that farmers should be aware of in terms of either draining some of those areas or some of the drains that pass through those areas from from the the, the more commercial parts of their of the land in that field or or maybe over the entire farm. And how does a farmer, I suppose, navigate all of that if there are if there is some maintenance needed? Yeah, so the the the, the rule with the SAC is there's a list of notifiable actions that that the um that they must see consent if if they're uh, if they're undertaking any of those actions. And one of those is is anything to do with deepening or cleaning or maintaining or uh, drains, existing drains or installing drains. So they would have to seek consent or, or notify um, the relevant authority, which is the, the National Park and Wildlife Service, generally speaking. Um, so again, that, that there's an obligation there, I suppose, to, to keep that in mind. Um, if an SAC is, is, is included in the area of, of, of interest or the area where the works are going on. But would that necessitate, say, in terms of maintenance, that let's just say there's, I don't know, a thirty-acre field, but it, the, the SAC is at the edge of it going into a river. You know, thirty-acre field has been uh, severely impacted because of a, a maintenance issue that needs to be done across across that. Is there is there any issue? Do you think where the the, the disturbance is minimal in, in in fixing up those type of areas? Yeah, again, I suppose if you're interacting with an SAC in any shape or form, if even if it is a relatively low proportion of the area in question, it, it, it does it, it does come under the same um, the same obligation in terms of notifying notification. So it, it's just worth bearing in mind, really, Michael. We will join Pat again next week when he talks about tackling ponding in the middle of fields and how subsoil in the field has a huge bearing on the type of drainage system which should be used. I also want to point out to you that the Chagas drainage manual on the Chagas website gives a much greater detail into this area. To find it, just google chagas.ie and drainage, or click on the link in the show notes. So that's it for this week and a huge thanks to Pat for joining me on the show. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast then recommend it to a friend or colleague, and as always, rate, review and follow on Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.